to those joining with us on our podcast service. Welcome to the House of God here at Chartist House Christian Outreach Centre. And uh, you're all very, very welcome, and I'm so glad that you have come. Uh, last week, I spoke on the dynamic duo of faith and patience. Who recalls that? Who was here last week when I ministered on that? And I call them, or people do call them, power twins. I call them dynamic duos. And uh, they refer to by some. And they, they're things that faith and patience working together in the life of a believer to strengthen the position for the long-term race that we're in. Who knows that we're in a long-distance race? Yeah. The Christian walk is, is, not a, is not a short-distance walk. It's not a sprint. But it is, in fact, a, a long-distance race in something that we need to have endurance with. Hebrews 12, verse 1, at the tail end of that verse, it says, uh, Let us run with endurance. Who likes the word or the sound of endurance? It's awesome, isn't it? The race that is set before you, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. It's amazing, eh? He was there, and he, he blew the, the gun to set you off on the race, and he's also there at the ticker tape at the end. The author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus, no longer in the cradle, no longer on a donkey, no longer on the cross, but seated at the right hand of the Father. So we serve the, the king who is, not the king who was. So this scripture is encouraging us in our endurance race to the end. And so faith is a, a gift of the Spirit, as I went over last week, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and it lists the nine gifts of the Spirit. And it's interesting to note that faith is a gift, while patience is is the fruit of the Spirit. Isn't that amazing? Faith is a, is a gift, but uh, patience is a fruit of the Spirit. And the two work hand in hand together to the, allow the believer to withstand the pressure of life and to endure to the end. As a, as a buttress or a pier is built against and even engaged into a, a brick wall to help the wall stand under the load and pressure. And a brick wall, actually, without a pier or without a corner, is actually very, very weak. And it's very, very uh, prone to be blown over. I remember in 1995, 96, we were building some units near the golf course in Townsville. And the bricklayers, or the block layers, they threw up a big wall, a very tall wall, actually, and went away for the day. And we all came back the next morning and found the whole brick wall was lying on the ground. And see, there had been no concrete poured into that block wall yet. And when you pour concrete into a block wall, it fills up every 1,200 right down all the way, and it forms a pier. Every 1,200, the, the concrete goes into the wall and fills up another pier. Every 1,200. And so the, a block wall without a pier is very, very weak. And, uh, and so that was interesting. So... Faith is the brick wall and patience is the buttress or the pillar that works with it, strengthening that brick wall. So patience strengthens our faith. And uh, so too does patience come alongside faith to help you and I stand stronger, you and I stand stronger under the load and with the increased resistance that comes our way. Faith, faith and patience will see you through to the finish line in the, in the race of endurance. Faith alone is not enough. 
we all need to have this character-building thing called patience. You don't work for patience, but patience works for you. We think patience is a, something that you really, really have to work at. It's a, it's a real grind to have in your life. But you'll find that as you develop patience, and you do need to develop, it's something that we work at. Uh, but patience will work for you. And so I'd like for us, if you would now, to turn in your Bible to James chapter 1. And I'm going to read a couple of verses from James chapter 1. I pray that you brought your Bibles. And uh, uh, bear with me a little while I just read a couple of verses. And I'm going to move on uh, in another dynamic duo. And it says, uh, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And James was actually the Lord's brother. And so raised under the same roof. And that's why you find the book of James sounds a lot like the Sermon on the Mountain. Because they were half-brothers. And so... And this this letter here is addressed to the 12 tribes which were scattered abroad. And he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. This sounds awesome, doesn't it? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking lacking nothing. Verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Verse 6, and I'm going to read to verse 8, But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So clearly here is seen in verse 6 that Asking of God, that really is just prayer. From a believing heart, that is faith in action, applied to your prayer, and it positions us to receive from God. A person who doubts or who has no faith, engaged in the prayer while asking of God, here, James very bluntly, I like the Bible because it tells things just the way that they are. It should suit us out here in the towers real well. But a person who has doubts or has no faith engaged in the prayer while asking of God. He's described as a double-minded man and unstable in all his ways. Have you ever been called unstable in all your ways? Well, here James is calling you, if you don't really ask in faith, but you ask with doubting in your heart, you're an unstable Christian. Amen? It doesn't get any blunter than that, doesn't it? I like the Bible. In Proverbs it says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. It just tells it exactly how it is, doesn't it? Who will receive nothing from the Lord, he goes on to say. So tonight I'd like to touch on another dynamic duo or power twin that works hand in hand to build the kingdom of God in your life. Who'd like to see the kingdom of God built in your life? Who'd like to see the kingdom of God built in this region of Chartist Towers? Oh, I do. And, um, And this will impact the spiritual lives of those whom you associate with. When they begin to see you pray in a different way, when unbelief, which the Bible actually calls it sin, unbelief is sin. That's amazing, isn't it? It's not just a bad habit, it calls it sin. And uh, as last week I spoke about the dynamic duo faith and patience, so tonight I would like to touch on this dynamic duo called prayer and faith. Amen? And just as patience was a great supporter of faith, so too does faith linked together with your prayer. 
So I'm going to be touch, talking about prayer and the subject of faith hand in hand. But just quickly, on the subject of prayer, John Wesley, he said a, a most profound thing. He says, it seems like that God can do nothing on the earth except a man ask him. Isn't it amazing? And the reason is simple, because God gave man dominion on the earth. And so he doesn't usurp our authority, but he works through us. And the Bible's very clear. It says, with God, all things are possible. It doesn't say to God. It says, with God. So your hand in the hand of the man who stilled the water is what's going to be required. Charles Spurgeon says, all that God is and all that God has, he has put at the disposal of prayer. So there's no shortage of the resources of heaven, but they all are available to us through this amazing thing called prayer. The other thing is, as, you, uh, as a Christian, you, are, you and I are actually no bigger than our prayer life. I don't care if you're six foot six, six foot ten. You're a midget if you don't pray. You're anorexic in the spirit. And uh, we can be anorexic in the spirit when we become prayerless. And by and large, the, the Western church in particular has become a prayerless institution. And it is a sinful thing that what we have become. And, uh, but never does a man stand so tall than when he kneels to pray. Amen? Oh, that's a big man. That's a big woman. That's a person who's big in God, big in the realm of the Spirit, is one who gets to their knees to pray. Prayer changes things. I don't know if you believe that. We have a church prayer meeting on Sunday morning, but very few attend. It's very difficult to get people to pray. In fact, it's easier to get people to mow lawns than it is to pray. Isn't it amazing? We do anything. Even a procrastinator, he will think of uh, doing things. He, uh, when it comes time to pray, he'll all of a sudden remember that he's actually got to mow the lawn. Isn't it amazing? Everything comes to mind when we go to pray. But prayer changes things. Prayer speaks and brings life and prayer sustains life. Prayer is the fuel for a fire of God to move. If we think we're going to have a move of God without prayer, we've got another thing coming. Because prayer precedes revival. I've been looking at revivals for nearly 30 years. It has always interested me greatly to see mighty moves of God that transform the whole of the nation. In fact, the American nation, all 13 states, was actually brought together by not a politician, but by a, uh, by a preacher called George Whitfield. And he was a prayer, a mighty prayer, uniting the whole country under that banner at that time. Prayer precedes revival, prayer sustains revival, and when prayer stops, so too does the revival. Is there anybody here who would like to see a revival or a move of God? Is there anybody who's really, really interested? Well, then you'll become a prayer because prayer is, prayer is the fuel for the fire of God to move. I like to create a hunger in people for people to become prayers because prayer is what is going to be required for people to come together, put often differences aside, and a prayer of unity, the Bible says, commands a blessing. I'm not going to be ministering for very long tonight, but I just wanted to go over a couple of things. Jesus had a prayer life. And in fact, in Matthew 4, 1, it says, Jesus' ministry began after he spent 40 days in the wilderness praying and fasting. He got baptized in the Holy Ghost in that river Jordan. And the, and the, dove, and the Holy Spirit came down upon him 
in the form of a dove. And it says, immediately the spirit took him into the wilderness where he fasted for 40 days and prayed. And uh, his ministry was not birthed in, his ministry wasn't birthed in prayer, it was conceived in prayer. Amen? Jesus' ministry, first and foremost, came out of a prayer life. In Mark 1.35, he says, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, Jesus went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. And you read it over and over and over again. He went out very, very early in the morning, and often he was, went out there at the end of the day, very, very late at night. In John 6.15, he said he, he departed again. There it says the word again, meaning it was uh, something that he habitually did. He departed again to the mountain by himself, to be alone. And I have found that the best times that I've had have been when I've gone outside by myself into a wilderness, into the bush. And I've had an amazing and I've had amazing experiences there. In John 6:19 it goes on to say, so when they had rowed 3 or 4 miles, uh, this is out on Lake Galilee, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat. And so they jumped in the boat. Jesus went off to pray on the mountain. They jumped in the boat and wanted to go across to the other side. Jesus caught up with them and he was stretching his legs after he prayed on, on, sea, on the Sea of Galilee. Amazing, eh? You too will begin to stretch your legs on impossible surfaces when you begin to become a person of prayer. And so in Mark 6.46, he departed to the mountain to pray. And in verse 51... The wind and the, he called the, he said, peace be still. And the, and the wind stopped blowing and the waves stopped billowing. But it does, he departed to the mountain to pray only a couple of verses. And we seem to think, we isolate these things and we say, oh, greater things that we will do and then Jesus did and all this sort of stuff. But Jesus had a prayer life to support those miracles. And you'll find that when you get into a place of being in that prayer place, up on that mountain, Early in the morning, late at night, a prayer, not so much a time of prayer, but a lifestyle of prayer. That's what I like in my own life too. Not always fixed to a time, but it's just a lifestyle of prayer. So after prayer, Jesus began his ministry, stretched his legs on the Sea of Galilee, called the wind and the waves to be still. After prayer, it says Jesus selected his 12 disciples. See, it was a prayerful consideration was not, I've been thinking about you and everything like that. And no, he prayed about it. In Matthew 15, 36, after prayer, he fed the 5,000. We're all keen to pray over a few loaves and things like that. But it, was, it came about because of prayer initially. And so how did Jesus pray? So I'd love to go to Luke chapter 22, verses 39 to 46. Uh, Luke 22, and uh, I'll read a couple of verses here, and, it's, and, and you'll see the heading there in your, in your own study Bibles, the prayer in the garden. And so coming out, he went to the mountain of Olives, as he was accustomed, and his disciples followed him. So he was a great example. He always led others to do the same thing. When he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. 
In verse 44, this is where I wanted to come to. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer, he came to his disciples and he found them sleeping from sorrow. Then he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray lest you enter in temptation. And so there we can see Jesus' form of prayer. It was earnest. In fact, he sweated drops of blood, but he prayed earnestly. Earnestly is the key, a real big key, in fact. So how should we pray? And uh, I have been, I, I remember I was in a para, a para church organization, and for many years I was one of the state chaplains. And uh, we got together all the chaplains from around Australia on a link-up phone call with myself, and we were praying about our national president, sorry, a state president, who was very, very sick. And, uh, <coughs> and they said, uh, we should just pray for the will of the Father in this case, because he was very sick. And he had already, he had already made a, quite a dramatic comeback, but then he went downhill real big time. It was, a, was, a, was very difficult. But I knew at that moment it was very, very difficult to pray the prayer of faith with the mindset that the men were coming on the phone. We were, it was a group or a group phone call. And they said, how should we pray? We just pray for the will of the Lord be done. And I'm thinking, oh, well, do you want to bury him now? And uh, it was such a, a dismal phone call that I could not turn their faith around to believe for God, for the miracle. It was impossible in that environment. And I noticed when Jesus came into different environments, uh, there was a whole lot of noise when the girl was dead, and he put them out of the room. He put them out of the room. He put unbelief out of the room. Sometimes you have to do that. You have to put unbelief out of the room. Separate yourselves from people of unbelief so that you can really hook in and pray, because it will sap the life out of your prayer. Sometimes you have to just put the unbelief and all the noise and all the flute players, all the... All that sort of stuff, you have to put it out of the room. Elijah did too when he raised the Shunammite's woman from the dead. He went in there by himself and prayed. If it was up to Gehazi, they would have been burying that young boy that afternoon, but it wasn't to be. And so, uh, and they said, well, well, Father, if it is your will, heal this man. I want to tell you that it is the Lord's will that people be healed. It is the Lord's will. The, the devil comes to rob, to kill, and to destroy. By and large, that is the case. Very, very rarely is, people, is the Lord calling people home. When people are very, very aged and all that, that's a totally different thing. But you're talking about young people and all this. Sort of, they, it's the Lord's will that they survive and to fulfill their God-given potential in their life. Amen? And praying with men could, who could already see, and when I prayed with these men, they could all, all they were talking about... Uh, was the man be buried? They were already seeing his wife as a widow and they were already seeing his children as being totally fatherless and a great man of God, but he died very, very young. I was heartbroken to see him die, but he did. And, uh, but I believe a prayer of faith can turn situations around. But it does need to be not just a prayer, but a prayer of faith. And there's a massive difference between saying prayers and having a prayer of faith. And... Uh, James shows us the difference between saying prayers and praying as Jesus prayed. And in James chapter 1 and, and verse 6, I did read that already, but I'll just go over that verse 6 and he says, but let him ask in faith. 
It doesn't say ask in unbelief. It doesn't say state the obvious. And with no doubting. You see, there's doubt. When you're you're praying in an attitude of doubt, faith is not able to operate. And the power of God flows through a conduit called faith. All heaven's resources are made available to us through prayer and the conduit of faith. For he, and James puts it fairly bluntly, he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. It's pretty straight, isn't it? It's very, very straight. But I, I'm trying to uh, ask you, that when we go to the place of prayer, the Bible says that to each one has been given a measure of faith. So it's in you. Faith is in you. But it has to be turned on. And when we go to that place of prayer, it doesn't matter if you play, pray for five minutes. I have seen amazing results in the place of prayer in five minutes. And I prayed for three hours and seen nothing happen. Four hours and seen nothing happen. But in a moment of faith, you will see heaven and earth move, amen. You'll see mountains turned upside down. Situations change when faith is connected to that prayer, amen. It is a dynamic duo. Saying prayers is not dynamic. It is not dynamic at all. Saying prayers is boring, repetitious, and all those sort of things. You can say the same prayer over and over. There's nothing wrong with that. As long as your faith is connected with that prayer, you will see results, And the best form of prayer is answered prayer. Who likes answered prayer? I love answered prayer. I recall, just quickly, just quickly, about a couple of years ago, two and a half, three years ago, no, it must have been three and a half years ago, three and a half years ago, I was being diddled out of some long service payments from uh, from when I left a government job. I had trouble selling um, a, a big piece of equipment and a van. And there was a one other issue in the, in the household. And so I said, Jesus, uh, I said to Jules, let's meet at the table at 2 o'clock. And so when we go to the table, we go to the table of prayer. And it means we're going to mean business. And we prayed. I couldn't sell this van for a couple of years and all the equipment in it. While we were praying, I sold the van. I sold the van while I was praying. I said, hold that, I'll meet you there in five minutes. I came back with cash in hand. Cash in hand while Jules was still praying. Came back, sat down. While we continued praying, the phone rang again and somebody else wanted to buy the van. Amen. I haven't been able to sell this van for a couple of years. Within that afternoon, I got an email from the government department saying that all my my long service benefits, which were actually optional for them to pay, but I really thought they should have paid it. And that letter of confirmation came through that afternoon that I was going to receive it. That afternoon, only an hour later. And the other thing, we had a massive breakthrough late that afternoon. In three things we prayed, we were, sometimes you get angry. Who's ever gone, I call it a holy discontentment. When, un, when things are, are not right and you know you want to put it right, and I'd say, go to the place of prayer. Wherever you find Hook up with somebody. I hooked up with Jules. She's a good person to hook up for me. It's the best thing I ever did. But I tell you what, the prayer of faith, the prayer of faith is a mighty place to pray from. When all doubt, you just put it away. You've got no time for doubt. 
and you're just there to accomplish. And I've seen miracle after miracle after miracle. I could talk, talk about some of these things all day and at night, how God gloriously came through when the prayer of faith... Sometimes you just put up for things, put up with things, put up with things, and all of a sudden you turn around and you go, that enough is enough. And you go to the place of prayer, you go to the place of with faith, you hook up, it's a dynamic duo, it's a power twin, and then you'll see the hand of the Lord. And, and the Lord doesn't respond to need. The Lord responds to faith. And the 33,000 promises in the Bible... I think there's more promises in the Bible than there are verses, but they're all apprehended by faith and a believing heart. Amen? Faith and a believing heart. So bookends to prayer are addressed in the first and last chapter of this book of James. They're the bookends. I just noticed that today. And James 1, 6 to 8, we ran, we ran through it in an unanswered prayer and the reasons why. And it talked about the unbelief. The unbelieving heart, wavering, tossed to and fro. Let not, not, let not that man receive anything from the Lord. And that's God speaking. Amen? Let, that, let not that man receive anything from the Lord. A wavering heart, unbelief. Unbelief is sin. We don't like to call it sin, but the Bible calls it sin. But let's go to James chapter 5, and we're going to finish up on an awesome note. It's a great note. And it's talking about meeting specific needs is the is the little subheading in my Bible, which is not Scripture, but it's just there to help us. And James chapter 5 and verse 13, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. So the prayer is the answer. But what sort of prayer? Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So sure, we've got to pray. But listen to this. In uh, James 5.15, and the prayer of faith, there is the power twin. There is the dynamic duo for us tonight. Prayer and faith linked together will see the results that you want to see from God. And it says, and the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another. And then it goes on to say, uh, James chapter 5, verse 16, into the lowest part of that verse, and it says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. When we had a, le a look at, at uh, Luke chapter 22, uh, verse 44, we saw that Jesus prayed fervently, and it uses exactly the same word there. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So there's power in a righteous prayer. Amen? Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. In other words, he was just like you and I. He bled just like you and I. He, was, he got hungry, he got thirsty, he got tired, all those sorts of things. He got despondent, he was depressed at one stage, just like you and I. But he prayed earnestly. There's that word again. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. He prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. In November here, we prayed, didn't we? It was parched, it was dry, it was Spinifex town, it was dusty. And we preached up a storm that morning and I said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Amen. It was a declaration in the realm of the spirit and we said, Lord, we're not putting up with second best. 
We're not disrespectful in any way, but if Elijah prayed like that, and that's what we said, I said, Lord, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. And within a week, we were all whippersnipping, mowing, and using Roundup. It was fantastic, wasn't it? And it has been raining ever since. You've got to give God all the glory. Let's give the Lord a round of applause. Amen. It is good. When faith kicks in, everything can change. And you can go along, you can jump up on that shelf of mediocrity, you can be happy with what's going on, or you can say, no, I'm not putting up with second best. Amen? I'm one of the king's kids. And so uh, Hebrews 11.6, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for, 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 God, uh, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. We forget who we serve. We say, we're, th- this is the God of the universe, the monarch, the sovereign of the universe, amen? He is the one who said, let there be light, and there was light, and there it was at 302,000 kilometers a second, stood back and said, that's good, amen? That's, it's good, but the promises of God, which are obtained by faith, are exceedingly great. How good are the promises of God? How are they appropriated by prayer and faith linked together? Saying prayers is not your answer. Just saying prayers is not your answer. But when your faith kicks in with your prayer, you begin to declare. You, you pray differently when you pray in faith. In fact, I have found that I thank the Lord in advance for what I'm praying for. I say, thank you, Father, for the rain. I just thank you, Lord, for the rain. I thank you, Father, for the rain. I thank you. I just, I just thank God in advance. What do you need from God? Amen. I'm not, I'm not talking to God like a Santa Claus or anything like that. But God does re- need and responds to faith. I'm believing for a move of God, for Charters Towers. It desperately needs a move of God. The people are backslidden terribly in heart. Less than a hun- couple of hundred people attend church regularly on a weekly basis. Less than a couple of hundred. 12,000 people here. Sporting fields are packed to the gills. And yet the houses of God are empty. And we need the prayer of faith to kick in again. Romans 14, 23, the last part of that verse says, whatever is not from faith is sin. In Hebrews 13, uh, 3, 19, it says, so they could not enter in because of unbelief. And this issue of unbelief is always dealt with in the Bible as sin. And we don't like to call it that. And... uh, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, but we can obtain faith by hearing and hearing by the word of God as illustrated in Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so we hear, you can sow seeds of faith, you can sow seeds of prosperity, you can sow seeds of health and healing and wholeness, which the Bible illustrates from Genesis right through to the end. And and you can build up yourself in your most holy faith. There's a great principle in Mark chapter 4, and it says the seed grows of itself, and the sower knows not how. And you can sow, sow seeds of faith into your life. So when you go to the place of prayer, it is filled, filled with faith. And God is looking, and, this, and the Bible says when the Lord returns, will he find faith? God is looking for faith. He's looking for it. He's looking for a conduit for the power of heaven, the resources of heaven. If you're after a a heavenly intervention, prayer and faith will provide the conduit for God to breathe. Let's stand to our feet right now as Jules comes to the keys. I'm going to close in prayer 
but then I believe we should come together tonight and believe for a couple of breakthroughs. Who'd like a breakthrough? Amen? We all need breakthroughs. And the Bible says that he is the God of Belperazim, which is plural, which means that God is the God of breakthroughs. Because after you've made one breakthrough, you're going to need another. And you're going to need another. And you're going to need another. And we need a consistent supply of breakthroughs in your life. Amen? When this church gets to 100, we're going to look for 200. When we've got 200, we're going to look for 400. See, God is the God of the breakthroughs. I'm not content till this whole region comes to Christ. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, for those here today. I pray for those listening in online that the Spirit of God would touch people, Lord God, where they are. I pray that faith would kick in. I pray, Father, that the somehow tonight's message, the anointing power of the Spirit of God, would minister to people and stir them up in their most holy faith. I pray in Jesus' name, stir us to be people of prayer again, Father. Forgive us of our prayerlessness, but let the power of heaven, Father, flow through your church again. I pray in Jesus' name for a mighty move of your spirit in people's lives here tonight, for those online and right across this region, I pray, let there be an outpouring of the power of heaven, Father, today, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, amen and Amen.